0: to the podcast because of this and that. I am your host, H. Miller, and I'm joined today by myself. (laughs) Wait, does that mean you don't have any friends? No, I definitely have friends. I just thought it would be a little bit more engaging if we had a little conversation with our with ourselves um, to talk about this uh, this very interesting topic, so welcome to the show. Thanks, I'm uh, I'm I'm glad to be here, I guess. And uh, what was it that you uh, were going to talk to us about? Uh, it's about dangerous lost puppies, right? And um, those would be well, it's kind of an archetype of male characters that shows up a lot really across all different kinds of media, whether it's characters in books, TV, movies, and these, this archetype is highly appealing to females. The, the name of it actually comes from a show that is nearly impossible to find these days. Uh, it's called The Weekenders. Oh yeah, I vaguely remember that show. That was forever ago. Yeah, and you cannot find it on any of the streaming uh, apps, which is which is a crying shame because The Weekenders is a high high quality, high quality show. Um, but they had an episode called Party Planning, which was so The Weekenders for those of you who've never seen it is a uh, four middle school uh, kids are the are the titular characters, which is actually a word that I absolutely hate, so I don't know why I said that. Um, they're the four main characters, and it's uh, two girls and two boys. So the two boys are Tino and Carver, the two girls are Trish and Lore, and as middle schoolers, they've never been to like a real boy-girl party before, and they get invited to one in this episode, Party Planning. And the episode really revolves around their insecurities, um, encountering the opposite sex in this sort of situation, and they try to teach each other how to be attractive to the to the uh, to the other um, the other sex, in this case, other gender in this case. So Trish and Lore, our two female characters, are trying to explain to Tino and Carver the the proper attitude to be uh, to be an attractive guy. And they put on, um, what really looks like a Twilight ripoff. Although I don't even think Twilight was written when, <laughs> when this, when this TV series was out. Um, but you know it's sort of that like, dark, brooding vampire esque uh, character. Um. And, oh, crud! That's not even true. No, it's like it's like it's like forties. Era. see I'm getting my stuff mixed up. this is this is what the archetype of dangerous lost puppies does to you. Um, no, it's like it's like 40 style kind of like like not rebel without a cause, but like basically anything that hum- Humphrey Bogart has ever been in uh, and he's like kind of given he's given the dame the cold shoulder and uh, Trish uh, Loris, you know Carver and Tina were trying to figure out like okay, why is this appealing? And Laura says um, that the the ideal man should be mysterious with a kind of pu- lost puppy quality, and then Trish adds dangerous. So Tino, trying to clarify, says you like mysterious, dangerous, lost puppies, and Laura says and vulnerable. Right. So from this description of mysterious, dangerous, lost puppies that are vulnerable. You, you just kind of shorten that down. Well, yes, because if you think about the the mysterious angle, the the unknown danger that they pose, the unknown nat- nature of kind of what makes them lost, that's the, uh, that's the dangerous part, right? So uh, mysterious, dangerous lost puppies, Well, we can pretty much take out the mysterious. And the vulnerable part also, like a lost puppy is vulnerable so you can pretty much collapse that into just dangerous lost puppies and is is this a kind of common phenomenon or nomenclature for this archetype no no um you can i've googled it there's there's pretty much nothing out there uh that that actually uses this this name to talk about about this type of character uh and i think it's really i think it's really important to talk about this archetype because the sort of stereotype, right, is that women are really attracted to um, bad boys, right? That's the kind of classical stereotypical, oh, women, this go all hot for bad guys. But it's more complicated than that. You have to have these three elements of the dangerous lost puppy uh, in order to create this attraction um, that, that you know, seems seems to pervade for this archetype that it's not it's not a bad boy you know if you're if you're just dangerous or lost or if you're just dangerous and lost it's not enough the the puppy element is really really key to to this archetype and to the reason why it's so attractive okay um i'm having a little trouble following that but can you give us maybe some examples try to try to shore this up for us uh definitely definitely uh i think kind of culturally, at least in the recent culture, the place where we see this most profoundly emphasized is actually, to go back to Twilight, is actually with uh, Edward and Jacob, and how polarized people became around these two characters, right? Like you team Edward, team Jacob, Um, and realistically, both of those characters are dangerous lost puppies, so I can kind of talk you through um, why they're each that well, I'm guessing Jacob is the puppy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Werewolf kind of a dead giveaway there. Uh, Yeah. So Jacob has a lot of puppy characteristics. And when we first meet him, he is like almost a hundred percent puppy. Like he's kind of following Bella around and he's all like, you know, bright-eyed and she tailed? I don't think actually that's actually the description of a puppy, but whatever. Um, so yeah, he's he's definitely he definitely shows a lot of puppy qualities. Right? And so, I mean, then he becomes a werewolf. So obviously that is that is dangerous. Right, like literally both him and Edward, their dangerous elements come from this supernatural uh piece of of who they are. And And it's interesting that, you know, Edward, Edward is very clearly lost. Um, He, he has a lot of misgivings and a lot of guilt around being a vampire. That's very clear that he's kind of not comfortable in his immortal skin. That's all shiny. Um, (laughs) So he's definitely, he definitely shows up on the scene with the dangerous and the lost qualities. And Jacob, Kind of starts out in the in the puppy end, and then kind of quickly acquires the the dangerous side when he becomes uh, becomes a werewolf. So that's only two out of three. How do they? This they're both missing. Well, no, Edward's missing the puppy side, right? And Jacob's missing the uh lost side. Have I got that right? Right. So interestingly enough, it's the relationship with Bella that creates that third element for each of them and as as we go through and look at some of these examples it's going to be painfully obvious that a lot of characters get their third element through relationships um, that they have with other people either through family or through uh, relationships with significant others right so for Edward his relationship with Bella uh, creates that puppy Element, you know that he becomes really loyal to her, that he defends her, that he um, that he loves her, that he watches her sleep, which seems more like a cat characteristic, but details. Uh, so all of all of those kinds of characteristics, where we see his his love and his affection and his loyalty, those all come out um, through kind of Bella getting to know him. Uh, and obviously has he has love for his family as well, but it's not really the it's not really quite the same thing. And then Jacob, on the other hand, his relationship on Bella with Bella, uh, it makes him lost. He basically loses his mind because he falls in love with somebody who's it's an unrequited love. And then he's got the added like psychological impact of this hive mind that the pack has. Right where he's he's not only living through his own grief at not being able to be with Bella, but he's also, um, and and he's passing that on to the pack, but the pack in turn is passing back that you know weird love triangle mess thing that's going on with the pack as well. Um, fans of fans of the book will be yelling at me their names right now, but I don't actually remember anyway. So it's his relationships with other people that actually make him lost. Otherwise, he's fine. Uh, He's just a dangerous puppy, which isn't a great combination, but, you know, he doesn't actually qualify because he doesn't have that tortured element. And for some reason, that tortured element is really, really critical. You can build a character that's just dangerous, and then you have a villain, and nobody's like, woohoo! And we'll look at some villains later and actually talk about how they're really dangerous lost puppies. Um, and and so that's how you, that's how girls get this rap of like being really attracted to bad boys when realistically they're not attracted to a true villain in most cases, there's exceptions of course, but they're attracted to this this archetype of the dangerous lost puppy. So that's kind of how those come together and... I think it's really important, too, that when we talk about it, we talk about it as dangerous lost puppy. I know that's conventions of the English language, but it's really kind of that lost element that creates this fulcrum, um, because oftentimes, as we'll kind of look and see through these examples, and I'm I'm sure you can come up with some of your own as well as we go on, yeah, I'm starting starting to think of a couple characters in the back of my head that, that probably would qualify... Yeah, I'm sure you can I'm sure you'll have have some of your own as well. Um but but in many cases it's it's their being lost that makes them dangerous or it's them being lost that makes them a puppy. So that that element of being lost of being outside um yeah, I was going to ask you what is what, what does being lost like mean exactly? So it, it can kind of mean a couple of different things depending on the circumstances. Sometimes it means that you're separated out of your uh, community. That you're kind of an outsider, a loner. Uh, sometimes it means that you're like actually psychologically damaged. Um, sometimes it means just that you're presented with something about the world that you didn't expect and it shifts your point of view and you don't feel quite, basically it's any situation where you either don't feel confident in yourself or the self that you have doesn't match the world around you. So that's basically kind of what that looks like. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, can you give me maybe one more example and then I'll, I'll see if I can come up with something on my own? Sure, that sounds good. Um, so, one of the other things that I was thinking of um, was Angel and Spike, uh, and that that pairing because it's really really interesting to think about. You know, Angel when Angel's introduced into Buffy, and he has a soul, he Im- basically immediately qualifies under the dangerous lost puppy. You know categories, right? Because he's still a vampire. He's still dangerous. He can still be a badass. He can still fight. Uh, but because of the soul element, he is lost. Like that's the piece that, uh, really, through the way that the way that his curse is written, both there's sort of this weird loop going on, right? Because the curse makes him lost, right? He can't be. His full vampiric self, uh, and he's and he's plagued by the guilt of everything that he's done in his vampire existence, and that kind of that that element of being lost with having a soul allows him then to be, um, to be quite the puppy. I would argue that Angel is very very puppy esque. Uh, in fact, Spike when Spike is in angel like when he joins angel of the series he actually refers to uh angel it's at, at at some juncture i think it's fairly early on in the series running as a big fluffy puppy and i think that's pretty accurate um so being lost kind of kind of enhances those puppy characteristics and then because of the nature of the cursed because of the nature of the curse when he you know when he starts to become found, right, through his relationship with Buffy and their love, uh, the curse kicks in and makes him more dangerous, which makes him more lost. So you have this really interesting cycle that's going on there through the way that, that that character is written. The basically means he will eternally be a dangerous lost puppy, right? Or or he's just dangerous. Like, those are your options. You either have Angelus and he's dangerous, or you have Angel and he's a dangerous lost puppy. Like, <laughs> that's it. Um, so I thought that was really, really interesting the way that they they did that and the way that interaction works. Uh, and when Spike came along, I was actually listening to a podcast that Michael Rosenbaum, who played, most famously played Lex Luthor. He's done a lot of other things as well, um, but played Lex Luthor. And he has a podcast called um, Inside of You. Which is brilliant. Go check it out. And he was talking to James uh, Marsterson, who played Spike. And James was kind of relating this story of when he was first on Buffy. And that he and Joss Whedon got into a bit of an altercation. Because um, Joss... Joss basically didn't want Spike to continue. He wanted Spike to to be in the picture for five episodes, and then he wanted to kill off Spike. And Spike, after his first like couple of episodes, was such a fan favorite, such a huge hit that you know the producers and the network and everybody was kind of like, "Well, you can't, you can't kill him off. Like, you, we, no, don't do it." And so I immediately went. Okay, that means that they built a dangerous lost puppy. That poor, poor Josh Wheaton had tried to design a character who was evil and bad, and could be this representation of pure evil, and that he could defeat evil and kill it off. But what he'd really made was a dangerous lost puppy. So I went back and watched the first episode that Spike uh, appears in, which is in the second, second season. It's the third episode. And it's called uh, School Hard. And sure enough, sure enough, they they create a dangerous lost puppy in that first episode. And it's really interesting because, you know, we, if you only, if you only saw the part of the episode that involves the Scooby gang. So you mean like Giles and Buffy and Xander and Willow and Cordelia and everybody, right? Right. Right, so if you only watch the part of the episode with them, you see Spike as pure evil. He is just dangerous. He tortures people with railroad spikes. That's how he got his nickname. He uh, crashes the parent-teacher conference and tries to kill Buffy, as well as anybody else he can get his hands on. Like, Definitely, absolutely, unequivocally pure evil. But the thing is, half of the episode is told basically from his perspective. And then we get to see these other elements. We get to see how incredibly loyal and doting and concerned and loving he is to um, Drusilla, who is clearly off her rocker. Like, she's really clearly influencing him in negative ways. And we even find out through their interaction that it wasn't his idea to kill the other Slayers, right? He gets billed by Giles as this, you know, great Slayer slasher. Uh, But we find out that, like, yeah, he doesn't really care. (laughs) According to the way the first episode's written, he doesn't even care about killing the Slayer. He's just doing that to uh, appease, uh, appease Drusilla. So we, you know, and then, and then we see him and him and Angel interact and we realize how, how abandoned he feels by Angelus, who's his creator. And so you immediately see, okay, he's, he's a puppy. Um, He's a puppy in this weird, really messed up love relationship that he has. He is certainly dangerous, but he's also lost, He's lost his sense of self. He's trying to reclaim it through all of these actions that he's taken, through all these horrible things that he's done. And we also get to see something else that you tend to see in Dangerous Lost Puppies, which is that he's highly intelligent. Dangerous Lost Puppies usually, you know, usually have a pretty good, like, kind of street smart or intelligence Um they don't tend to suffer fools is another common characteristic. And and he will not suffer any of the foolish vampires around him. He's like everybody else around here is just like an absolute moron. Uh and and he basically takes them all out so that he can be in control and run things the way that, that he wants to run them. Um so so that Drusilla can get better. So, yeah. Sorry, Reedon, you might have you might have created a character that was immediately a dangerous lost puppy and therefore could not be killed off because we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do not do a good job of killing people off. Okay, uh, I think I got it now. I mean, after all the, all the vampire references. <laughs> I didn't realize I did that. Yeah, we did two vampires in a row. So I'm going to take it in a different direction. Can we talk superheroes? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so, I'm a bit of a Marvel buff. I mean, you know, at least decent decent enough. So, I think, can we do, like, another pairing? Like, can we do, like, I mean, like, Loki, right? He's, he's such a huge fan favorite. I'm assuming he has to be a dangerous lost puppy. We'll take it through, see what you get. Okay, so... I mean, well, when we first meet Loki, like, up through the end of Avengers, he's pretty spiteful and rotten and terrible. That's true. I'm trying to think. I mean, but after that, right, he has, like, in the dark world and stuff, he fake dies. And then later he actually dies. And and then, like, with the whole TVA and everything, that's a lot of, like, like, he's... He's lost because he's like against the system, but he's got that relationship with the other Loki, which is slightly creepy, but also really sweet. And so that would be kind of like the puppy side. And I mean, obviously, he's a he's a trickster and, and a fighter. And yeah, so I guess, yeah, through kind of like through Thor, the Dark World and then Ragnarok and then kind of like Endgame he's he kind of like goes on this like redemption arc I, I guess redemption arcs would be a big thing with dangerous lost puppies yeah definitely i mean it's pretty rare that a dangerous lost puppy starts out their story with all those characteristics like unlike spike where he just becomes kind of more puppyish over time um like a lot of times they're they're flat out missing one of those three elements when you when you first meet them and then through their character arc development they they pick up those other elements right so basically he just starts out as dangerous well but I guess the whole fact that like he he grew up under the assumption that he was an Asgardian but he wasn't he was a frost giant that would make him lost Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So... And he finds that out in, like, the first movie. Like, when we very first meet him. So, he's already dangerous and lost. And then he just kind of has to get the the puppy element through... I I, I guess, really, his relationship with his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's actually interesting, though, because even in the first movie, um, which like kind of preparing to go talk to this talk to you about this that's one of the things I did was I went and rewatched the first the first movie and one of the things I noticed was that you get to about halfway through the movie and all of a sudden there's this kind of shift for both Loki and for Thor and they happen simultaneously and for Loki I think Loki's moment happens first for Loki. It's the moment when his father collapses in the like treasure room when he calls his father out for uh, having lied to him all those years about, you know, being, being a son of Asgard and his father collapses. And there's this very brief moment where you see in Loki real kind of shock and, and panic and guilt and that's, you know, there's a couple moments when he's a kid where you can kind of see a little puppiness, but when his father falls down in front of him, that's, that's the first moment where you really realize that, that Loki cares deeply about his family and that it's only because he's so lost that he's always felt out of place, that he's always felt like he was legitimately the better heir and then he finds out that he's not the heir at all that he is dangerous he's dangerous because he's lost and so we get this moment of him being a puppy and that and we see other moments like that throughout where he doesn't really want to do the things that he's doing he's doing them because they're the best decision he can make and and so there we start to see yeah that that dangerous lost puppy element kind of coming kind of coming together uh, and I think it's like in the next scene, basically, that we take Thor. So, okay, so this is... I don't want to steal all of your thunder. <laughs> oh, that's a bad Thor joke. Um, You want... You want to talk me through... I don't know what that musical interlude was, folks. Um, You want to talk me through Thor. Yeah, okay. So, um, I guess the very beginning, Thor... Like, he's... He's definitely not lost. Like he's really self-assured. Like that's actually the problem. Yeah. So Thor is he's dangerous. Like he goes to Jotunheim and basically starts to tries to start a war. So he's definitely dangerous and he's 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 definitely a puppy like he's full of like Fun and energy and he's super loyal to his family and um, very protective of Asgard so I guess he's just a dangerous puppy mm-hmm. yes and unlike our dangerous puppy in 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 team Jacob which I am definitely team Jacob he really is a problem as a dangerous puppy because he's literally his problem is that he's not lost right like you said he's too self-assured Right, right. So is there a a minute, I mean, I guess his whole process, right, was about the fact that he had to sort of like lose himself to find himself. Like the first Thor is really about him becoming the hero that he needs to be and the leader that he needs to be. And to do that, he has to, he has to fail and he has to lose, lose everything and, and become isolated and go to this new world and lose his powers. And, um, kind of go through that whole transformation, right? Like that is enti- the, the entire point of that movie is to make him basically lost is to turn him into a dangerous lost puppy. Uh, you might argue that he doesn't stay lost. <laughs> um, but it, at least we, you know, we get to see that in the arc that he goes through. And the very first moment that we really sense that he is, that he is willing to let his worldview shift is in, I think it's the next scene. I think it's the scene after Odin collapses. He's, uh, anyway, he's in the diner. And it's when he, you know, like, this is like trailer fodder, right? When he throws the, the cup on the floor in the diner because he wants more uh, coffee. And Jane asks him very nicely to, to not do that and he and he agrees and you can see that shift you can see him suddenly start to go oh maybe i don't know the right thing to do in every instance on this planet um and again it's through his relationship with somebody else through his you know burgeoning love relationship with jane that he is able to become lost and then and then work himself back through to finding himself again so yeah, I thought that was really interesting that they sort of did those two moments. Because uh, it's a while later in the movie before Thor actually, like, really loses himself and really gets back. You know, he hasn't even, like, gone and tried to pick up Mjolnir yet. So it's, yeah, it's still a long, it's still a long haul. <laughs> so, yeah. So, can I, can I just, I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around thinking about, like, loki and tom hiddleston Mm. Mm -hmm. it kind of seems to me like you know you have all these all these dangerous lost puppies in in film but the the actors who play them right are not dangerous lost puppies right for the most part yeah is there an exception to that yeah, I'm I'm pretty, I'm, you know, I can't swear to this, obviously, because I, I don't, I don't know any of these people personally, but I have a sneaking suspension, suspicion that Jensen Ackles, who plays Dean, is a dangerous lost puppy. Um, so, yeah. Ooh, Supernatural. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a really good one. We should talk about that, but can I, we just go back to Hillston for a second? Yeah, of course. So, Tom Hiddleston is not a dangerous lost puppy. Nope. At least, at least again, don't, don't think so. So for, for him, does, does that, does that add to the attractiveness, do you think? I would kind of hazard a guess, yes. You know, because like, Loki is highly entertaining and very attractive and he is a dangerous lost puppy, or at least he, he he gets there through the progression of his characterization. But I think it's the juxtaposition between him, who I would argue you do not want to form a real, actual relationship with, and Tom Hiddleston, who genuinely seems like a very decent human being that you could cohabitate with. Um, I think having that, having that polarization actually makes, makes the character... The more appealing, I guess, like kind of helps, helps people justify their attractedness to him. Um, I think you could say the same too for Bucky Barnes and Sebastian Stan. I think that's another one where like, like Bucky is a full on dangerous lost puppy. Um, you know, he was he was a puppy, you know, go before, you know, the war effort even began. Um, he's certainly, certainly a legitimate soldier. So he's sort of a dangerous puppy through that end, but that lost element that he goes to, like, I would argue that Bucky is only minimally attractive until he turns into the winter soldier. And then because he's lost, because he's endured all this physiological and psychological trauma, his level of attractiveness goes through the frickin' roof. Uh, because now he is truly the full package. he's a dangerous lost puppy and and even looking at you know the the recent series um, where Falcon becomes Captain America and the winter soldier kind of like is retired and then comes back out and kind of retires again and try you know tries to deal with some of his psychological trauma and stuff in a slightly healthier way, you still see, you know you still are dealing with somebody who'd be very difficult to cohabitate with um and so sebastian stands kind of like <sighs> i don't know for lack of better terminology extra puppiness sort of like balances that out a little bit so yeah i think that's i think that's a big factor okay so it's it kind of helps us justify our our choices if we can look at the actor and be like oh well that's that's a decent person at least that plays him yeah we we kind of you know we kind of we tend to mush actors and characters together, right? Like that's that's human nature because we see this person portraying this thing so often that you know. Um, so yeah, I think those I think those like subconscious psychological combinations really actually help that out. Um, help you justify that attraction to somebody who you probably shouldn't let through the front door. Okay, so we can can we talk about can we talk about Supernatural though really quickly because because you brought up you brought up Dean um, from Supernatural and and obviously Sam would would be the pair. We're doing a lot of pairs today, yeah. I guess I guess it turns out there's a lot of pairs. Um, I don't know. Maybe we can figure out why that is in a second. But yeah, what did you want to say about Dean? Well, well, actually, kind of kind of related to that to that pairing thing, right? Like. Sam is definitely the more puppy esque of the two. And that pattern does seem to hold, right? Like Thor is the more puppy version, Angel's the more puppy version, Jacob's the more puppy version. There's like always a there's always like a more puppy centric version and then sort of like a a darker, more sarcastic, sardonic like character yeah I guess that's the pretty much the way those pairings work. So but it was interesting kind of thinking about about that with with Dean and and Sam because I, I recently went back and like started watching the the beginning of those episodes. And I remember watching like the very first episode and being like being like, man, I don't I don't remember Dean being such a jerk. Like, he's such a jerk in the first couple episodes. And then I think it's like, it's like episode, I think it's the third one. It's the one, it's the one where like the water has a spirit in it and the water keeps like drowning everybody because the spirit in the water is this like young kid who was accidentally but kind of on purpose drowned when a bunch of like young boys held his head underwater. Um I think it was called hang on. I, I think I can look it up. Yeah, so in I remember that episode. Yeah, I remember that episode being like a real turning point for for Dean um in his in his um in his characterization. Okay, it was episode 3. It's called it's called Dead in the Water. I could have put that one together. Um but yeah, like that's the time where I guess I really start to see like his How lost he is and how much of a puppy he is because in that one he has to like talk to a little kid who's been a witness to this like haunting of the lake. And the only way he can he can talk to this kid who's like basically been scared into not speaking is to share with him his emotional trauma around his mother's murder by the demon. And so he's like really forced to open up and really forced to connect with this kid in a really, really deep way and and kinda of go back to that childhood trauma. Right, right. So yeah, you so you do see you see where he's lost, right? You see that psychological damage, you see the you see those kind of puppy element of him where he's really caring and and giving to this kid and, and yeah, and I remember, I remember, I think in the first season, there's, there's a few different episodes that kind of like do that. Like they have to go back to their old house, right? Yes, yes. They have to go back to their old house and like stop a haunting there. And like Sam sees his mom. And I, it's like for Sam, it's the reverse, right? Like he's always trying to prove that he's strong enough, that he's tough enough, that he's basically like dangerous enough. Like that's always that he's powerful enough, that's always his storyline, right? Yeah, so Dean, we're always trying to get to be sensitive enough. And Sam, you know, puppy enough. And Sam, we're always trying to get to be to be dangerous enough. Um, they're both pretty pretty decently lost. Although I think I would argue that Dean is more lost than Sam. Yeah, well, I mean, because Sam always knows what he wants to do, which is not be a hunter. And like his his like being lost is basically that he keeps having to do the hunter stuff. Even though he doesn't want to, yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely would agree with uh with with that like hundred percent. Um. So, yeah. Well, this is really interesting. Who's who's your favorite? Like Dangerous Lost Puppy. Mine. Um. I would I would say mine is probably Troy. Uh, from Fear of the Walking Dead season three. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Go seen it, go see it. (laughs) Whatever. Um, yeah, it's um I mean part of the reason is he's played by one of my favorite actors who um who who has somehow managed to land a lot of really interesting dangerous lost puppy roles. Uh, which is the the actor's name is Daniel Sharman and he did like Isaac and Teen Wolf, and he was um he was he was Troy in Fear of the Walking Dead. He, um, he was just, like, he's been in all kinds of things. He was a weeping monk in Cursed, right? Like, all these things where you're like, that character is definitely screwed up. Um, usually through very, very legitimate, like, there's a really excellent rationale for why the character is as messed up as they are. And so they're, they put a lot of, his characters have a lot of heavy emphasis on the lost. They are always very lost. Um... And then they're dangerous, and they're puppies, and I I don't know why, but I do tend to like characters that are a little more on the like lost slash dangerous side, and a little less on the puppy side. So like I prefer Spike, um I prefer Dean over Sam, like you know. So that's kind of my that's kind of my go to way. Although I do I I am Team Jacob hundred percent. Edward is annoying. <laughs> which usually like usually the more puppy characters are the more annoying ones for me but uh, some somebody somebody wrote Edward wrong I don't know um <laughs> maybe I would like him if I read the books I haven't actually read the, the books <clears throat> um but yeah basically anything Daniel Sharman's done but I think Troy is my favorite because Troy is just psychologically so screwed up um, and I don't want to like, I don't want to give too much away because if seriously, if you haven't gone and seen it, it's October, go watch, You just watch season three, just watch season three of Fear of the Walking Dead. And it's just brilliant what they do with his character to, to make you feel so empathetic toward him. And yet so much like, oh my gosh, if I ever met this person in real life, I would just like run in the opposite direction. Um, except me. We we would settle a home and ha- settle down and have a have a wonderful family in the middle of the apocalypse. <laughs> in in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Yep, in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Um, what about you? What's your what's your favorite one? Huh, um. Huh. I th- I think I think probably my favorite one is actually uh it Roy Roy Kent, from from Ted Lasso. Oh yeah yeah. He, he, he seems, I mean, he seems really, really balanced across those, those three, three elements. Like, he's definitely dangerous. Like, nobody would ever want to cross him. He's, he's, he's like a hard man, uh, as they would say in, in English football. Um, and he definitely goes through like several rounds of like being lost, right where he kind of loses his identity as a football player and then he's not like sure who he is and um you know his relationship with with keely kind of goes through some some elements where he's he's not really sure of himself or sure what to do um and you know and he's kind of helping out his raise his niece and he doesn't know what to do about that or how to interact with her um, but he's, but he's such a puppy. Like he's such a loving boyfriend. He's such a great caring uncle. Um, uh, there was a recent episode where he hugged Jamie Tart, uh, who's like his mortal enemy, but he saw that he was in need and he went and he hugged him. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's the way, I think that's why dangerous lost puppies get us so much is because when they do do something, that's an act of selfishness. Selfless selflessness, not the other kind. Um, like when they do take that step where they kind of discover themselves or they do something that's that's really, really endearing and sweet, because you're not used to seeing them in that place, it's such a flood of emotion. Um, just, just so gratifying and so rewarding and so lovely to see them see them do those things. And maybe that's why Dangerous Lost Puppies are so appealing. Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you a little bit about that as we sort of sort of wrap up. I was thinking kind of, you know, obviously we have the stereotype of like women being attracted to bad boys and and your argument that they're really attracted to dangerous lost puppies, which is a little bit more nuanced, obviously. But I wonder, you know, does it does that work for um homosexual couples, you know, would would a guy see a dangerous lost puppy character if they were homosexual and be attracted to that does it does it work with with girls can girls be dangerous lost puppies um and therefore does you know does that work with with lesbian couples <laughs> yeah that that's a lot of really great questions um and I'm not even sure I can answer them all because you know I don't think well, I'll I'll try to I'll try my best and then I might have to say that like, well, I need I need to do some more research. That uh, that is a lot to think about. Um I think girls can definitely be dangerous lost puppies because realistically, most anti-heroes are dangerous lost puppies. And because of that, you know, anytime you're looking at an anti-hero, regardless of the gender, there's there's a chance that that's that, that's what's going on there. Right. So like Natasha Romanoff, then she would be a dangerous lost puppy. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Right. Um, you could, you could make a good argument for Harley Quinn. Right. So, um, there's, there's definitely, there's not a ton. I don't think it's as, I don't think it's as plentiful as the, the, the male variants. Um, don't come after us, T V A. Um, but the 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 you know, the males that that are out there as Dangerous Lost Puppies, obviously there's a lot more of that character archetype. But yeah, anytime you create an antihero, there's a pretty good chance you're making a dangerous lost puppy. So there's definitely female characters out there that are dangerous lost puppies. Um and and yeah, I mean, they they definitely they definitely have appeal. I I think I don't, I don't know. I don't, probably nobody knows since this is not an archetype that's terribly well studied in general, but I don't know, you know, like if you're, if it's a, if it's a heterosexual, if you're somebody who's attracted to the, to the opposite, um, sex, gender, um, sex assigned to birth gender, if that, if that means you're more likely to like a dangerous lost puppy, Versus versus somebody who's attracted to the same sex or if it's, you know, that level of attractiveness is different for male or female. I, who the heck knows? Um, I'd ha- I would have to do more research on that. But I think that, that that attraction we have to somebody who who has those three components is really, really high. And to be honest, I'm not 100% sure why that's the case why we are so very, very much attracted to, well, I mean, I, I guess the easiest explanation is to say that, like, do you want, do you want a significant other that can protect you, um, that could potentially protect, protect your offspring or other members of your family? Like, do you want somebody who's tough enough to kill the spider and, Chase the, chase the robber out of your home. Yeah, probably, right. Uh, do you want a significant other who is emotionally damaged? <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of ridiculous. But one of the things that that they've talked about, kind of the rise of anti heroes, right, which are really popular, um, and have been popular for quite a lo- long time now in media, is that look, we're all screwed up. We're all a mess. You know, you don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who's perfect. You want to be in a relationship with somebody who has at least, at least equal, you know, quality or quantity of stuff wrong with them. You know, not the not the same categories, preferably. Um, you know, but you want people who understand what it's like to struggle and understand what it's like to try to work through their identity and, and and do those things. And and like we talked about, it's really rewarding when a character has that spark of, oh, I know who I am and I know where I belong. Um, so I think there's a real element of kind of empathy there. And I think, you know, kind of stereotypically for women also, we, we like to take care of things. Um, and so there might be an element that we think that, you know, well, if we were in that relationship, we could... Um, we could improve we could improve that character like i i probably think that i could fix troy i mean i i i can't like he's real screwed up and i don't have the certificates but right like in our fantasies like kind of that's what we're thinking is that like we can we can save that person and we know that's a very very dangerous uh thing to go into a relationship with you, so so do you think like that that's something that, you know, try, trying to want to fix these people, do you think that's something that shouldn't be portrayed with these kinds of characters? <sighs> I mean, I think that's really hard. Because as we just talked about, a lot of that, a lot of the elements of them being lost or them being a puppy really comes from their interactions with other people. Um, it screws them up and it kind of saves them. And while well, I don't think that necessarily having a relationship with another person is something that can save you as an individual, like, that's often a bridge too far, and we often get into relationships with the wrong idea because of that, when you talk about character development, like, how else do you get a character to develop, To develop, right? You can't, like, stick them in a box, and they're going to come out a better human being. Like, that's not how human beings work. So, um, So even though, yeah, it does lead to this assumption that we can, like, save these really screwed up characters um i do still think it's worthwhile to um I, I i don't see how else you're gonna get around that like as a as a writer and as an avid tv movie watcher like i think i think you're stuck there so yeah and then who doesn't want a puppy i mean come on unless you're a cat person and then i don't know what to tell you about your life <laughs> So, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean ultimately you know, like if you came right down to it, I don't I don't think you want Loki as your soulmate or or Troy or Edward or Spike or like all of these characters are they they need a lot of therapy. Um so ultimately I don't think you want to be pair bonded to a dangerous lost puppy. Um you know, they're, they're impulsive and they have divergent thinking and, um, but, but, you know, they are, they're very helpful to have in the gene pool. And, um, like I said, if, uh, if I have to fight off, if I have to fight off zombies, I, it's, it's me and Troy, man, against the world. And if there's going to be an apocalypse, I want Dean. And, you know, I, I just, there, there's definitely a time and a place for dangerous lost puppies, and I'm glad mostly they live on our screens, although I, I'm very confident there are dangerous lost puppies in real life. You probably don't want to date date one. If you if you find one, proceed with caution. Um, be prepared to be in a lot of group, um, a couple couples counseling. but but yeah, I, I don't think they're gonna leave our literature anytime soon, and I definitely can guarantee you the next one that the world kind of becomes besotted with. Uh, they're going to be a dangerous lost puppy so there you go well thank you uh, for joining for joining us and talking about dangerous lost puppies um i've been h miller and you've been listening to because of this and that i hope you enjoyed it uh, if you did definitely come let us know about us you can find me on uh, all of the socials at h miller writer and you can find me on my website at h dot com. and we'll be back uh in the not too distant future Maybe with somebody who isn't me as the uh, as the guest presenter. We'll we'll see. I do have friends. I swear it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful existence. All right, bye.